Once we're back to our seats, please, uh, you might like to take out your Bibles. Any guesses where we're heading this morning? We've finished James. It leaves, well, the whole other rest of Scripture. Now, we're going to be heading to 2 Chronicles today, 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Let's pray as we open up the word this morning. Lord, we thank you that we can come before you today, that we can open up your word and hear from it. Lord, I ask that you would give us soft hearts, God, to hear what it is you're wanting to say and what it is you're wanting to deposit into each of our hearts today, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that your word... um, is powerful, is true, and is living and active today. And God, we just uh, want to put it in its rightful place in our lives. And ask, I ask you, Holy Spirit, today that you would breathe life into the words that I speak. I pray that it would accomplish the purpose that you have for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So 2 Chronicles 34, and just before... Uh, we get there really, I, I want to read from Genesis 18, which you might remember was kind of our theme verse for the, the prayer week we had just recently. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And I feel this message that the Lord has put on my heart this morning has kind of been brewing away or stirring away uh, for a little while. Um, <clears throat> so shared a similar message uh, a couple of weeks ago at youth, but this just has a slightly different focus as well. And you know, we, we, we've come out of prayer week a couple of weeks back. Who enjoyed prayer week? Yes. I thought it was just a, a wonderful time and opportunity to set aside a specific week to have focused, targeted prayer and come before the Lord to really seek Him. Of course, prayer is always a good thing to do. But there are times and seasons where it's really important to set aside that focused time. And, you know, we, we spent much time praying for breakthrough and for revival and all those wonderful things. And I guess where I'm wanting to head this morning, <clears throat> hopefully it'll become clear, but it, I feel like sometimes it can be easy to be discouraged, you know, when we, when we look at the state of all that's going on around us. You know, could God really move like that in our day? The wallabies won. <laughs> the wallabies won. Well, that is miraculous. There you go. <laughs> He's on the move, first in the natural in this room. <laughs> but I want to just remind us this morning, is there anything too hard from the Lord? And I don't know about you, but I want to be living from that perspective, from that perspective, rather than, you know, looking at the darkness or the difficulties or the dec- decay and decline. That can be our focus, or our focus can be on who God is, upon His nature, upon his character upon the fact that he is able to break through, that he is able to make a way, that he can move in power to turn the tide in our generation, in our time today. And so this morning, where we're going to be heading is an account of a significant revival, you could say, against the odds. And I believe that the Lord is wanting to highlight a few things from this particular account in 2 Chronicles. 
but also stir our hearts to, um, to really grab hold of that. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And I really believe that the Lord is looking for a people who will seek Him wholeheartedly, who will give their yes to Him, who will rise up with boldness, power and purity to turn the tide and impact our generation. And Josiah, king of Judah, and this passage we'll be reading, he did this incredibly well, I believe. It was amazing when you look at the account of his life uh, and the state of the nation as he rose to power as king and then what God was able to do through a life of wholehearted devotion. I think there's amazing things that we can learn about his life But I believe that there is something in it for us this morning, something about the account of his life and the reforms that he made and what God was able to do in and through him that is significant uh, for us today because the Lord is wanting to raise up people with that similar devotion, I believe. So as we get to this this morning, and hopefully it'll be a full sermon, not a half sermon, that my voice can uh, go the distance. But the background, of course, as we read through the book of 1 and 2 Kings and 1 and 2 Chronicles, it's the accounts of of the kings of God's people, Israel and Judah. And so often we read through uh, the accounts of what was happening in the leadership of the nation and, of course, the nation itself. And and time and time again, we read, don't we, that this person reigned and he did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And this king reigned and did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord and led the people astray, basically. And then there's a smattering in between all this, all the doom and gloom of, oh, and then this person did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. You know, the reality was is that there, wasn't, there was only a handful of kings that were considered good or godly kings who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Many of them did what was evil and led the people astray and into all sorts of detestable things and false worship and idolatry. And so for Josiah, in 2 Chronicles 34, he came to power in a time of great wickedness. His father, the Bible tells us, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. His grandfather was one of the more wicked kings, did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. So what was normal for Josiah was this kind of atmosphere of disregard for the Lord, of all sorts of idolatry, of all sorts of evil. The culture around him was marked by all those things. There was impending judgment hanging over the people. And that's the the kind of environment that he comes to power in. So let's read together from verse 1 of 2 Chronicles 34. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherim and the carved and the metal images. And they chopped down the altars of the Baals in his presence, And he cut down the incense altars that stood above them. And he broke in pieces the asherim and the carved and the metal images. And he made dust out of them and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. 
He also burned the, on, uh, the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And then the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali and their ruins all around, he broke down the altars and beat the Asherim and the images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. That's pretty full on, isn't it? Quite an amazing account there. He began to seek the Lord. As he began to seek the Lord, all of a sudden... A few years after that, he began to cleanse the land of all that he recognized was not of God. And it's very strong language here. They chopped down, they cut down, they broke in pieces, they made dust of them, they scattered it. They, there was a real zeal and intensity about Josiah in his pursuit of the Lord and in anything that had been set up that wasn't in alignment with the true and proper worship of God. And we can read on. <clears throat> He then turns his attention, you know, trying to clean up the land to the house of the Lord, to the temple. And so he, he uh, has organized that the, the temple begins to be repaired and restored. And in verse 14, it says that while they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. Then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And so then they brought the book, the law of the Lord, to the king. And in verse 19, it says, When the king, they read it to the king. When the king, Josiah, when he heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. And he basically called the priest and some others and said, Go inquire of the Lord for me. And those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. We'll just leave it there for now. Josiah began his reign very young, eight years old. That's pretty amazing in and of itself. But the Bible tells us that at 16, he began to seek God and passionately pursue a relationship with him and an understanding of his ways. At 20, he began to clean up what he recognized as not being the true worship of God. And then at 26, he went on to reform the entire nation to bring it in line with God's word. And so for us this morning, what I felt on my heart is that in a season of of pressing in, flowing out from that uh, prayer week that we've had, there are some things that the Lord is wanting to highlight, I believe, out of this account that we can hopefully grab hold of this morning. First of all, verse 3 and 4, there is no better time than now to choose wholehearted devotion to the Lord. There is no better time than now to choose wholehearted devotion to the Lord. Josiah was obviously young when he began to seek God, when he began to pursue a relationship with Him. And I want to say this morning that you're never too young And you're never too old to really take God seriously and obey Him and seek Him and pursue Him and His ways. It's never too early and it's never too late. Let me encourage you in this this morning. If you're young, speaking to some of the young people here today, all of the young people in fact, you know, it can be easy to have that mentality, I think. Um, You know, perhaps when I'm older, when I grow up, when I've got things figured out a bit more, Perhaps, you know, when I've done this, this and this and tick this off, then I will really seek the Lord or pursue him and his ways. Well, let me say to you this morning, there's no better time 
than now to seek the Lord. Take him seriously. In 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, Let no one look down on you because you are young, but set uh, an example for the believers in love, in life, in faith, in speech, in purity. Go after God. And similarly, let me encourage you this morning, for those that are above young, whatever that looks like, perhaps, I don't know, anything above young, or if you still consider yourself young, that's fine. But let me encourage you this morning, those of more mature age or whatever age or stage that you find yourself in, don't believe the lie that I'm too old or that the younger generation have got it now or that I've missed my chance or that God couldn't use me. I'm telling you, there is no better time than now to turn your heart towards the Lord, to seek and pursue Him and choose wholehearted devotion to the Lord. You know, in Joel 2, verse 28 to 32, that wonderful prophecy of the outpouring of the Spirit, it says, pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And it mentions young and old men and women, all of us. There's no better time than now to seek the Lord. Let's be a people who wholeheartedly pursue the Lord, who wholeheartedly give our yes to Him. And it's, it's not just, you know, kind of a, a momentary thing. It's a lifelong thing. It says, Josiah began to seek the Lord, but then the evidence of his life was that he continued to seek the Lord. He continued to walk in that heartfelt devotion before him. And you know, something happens in our lives when we intentionally set our hearts to seek the Lord. We may not realize it or even recognize it right now or even in the next little while, but we'll begin to see things with a new perspective. For Josiah, it says that he started to seek the Lord. And then a few short years after that, he began to uh, purge the land, cleanse the land of all that wasn't of the Lord. It was like in his pursuit of God, he had this perspective of, hang on a second, something here is not right. Something here is not right. His eyes were open to the things that were happening that were not of the Lord. Because of his devotion to the Lord, he did something about it. He began to make changes. That was the foundation that was laid in his life. And from that foundation came his later task of reforming the whole nation. What are the things that the Lord is inviting you to build into your life right now? It doesn't have to be the big things. Start with what's in front of you. Start with, it starts with us, doesn't it? It starts with asking God to work in and through our own hearts and lives and then allow him to overflow out of us. allow him to capture our hearts, work in our hearts, and that there be an overflow to that that can be seen. So let me encourage you this morning. There's no better time than now to choose wholehearted devotion to the Lord. Excuse me. I'll tell you one of my fears about preaching and having a drink of water in the middle of a sermon. One of my biggest fears is, you know, when the water goes down the wrong way? And then, I don't want any water baptisms here in the front row this morning. Second thing I feel like the Lord is wanting to highlight for us is that God is able. God is able despite us, despite our circumstances, and despite our past. You know, he's not limited by those things. And I just think it's amazing as we look at 
the life of Josiah, we look at the, the culture and the, what was happening in the land around him. But if we also look at his upbringing, what his role models were, I mean, he didn't have a great role model in his father who the Bible tells us, as I mentioned earlier, he did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. His grandfather uh, was very evil. In fact, in 2 Kings 21, it says that he shed very much innocent blood. He filled Jerusalem from one end to the other. That sounds pretty wicked to me. These are the, this is the, the culture and the environment and what he's been brought up in. Yet, in 2 Kings 23, 25, talking about Josiah, it says that before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to God's word, nor did any arise after him. Isn't that amazing that in the midst of what was a pretty ordinary situation, he set his heart to seek the Lord and God was able to do incredible things in and through his life. You know, God is not limited by anything. Our family history, our upbringing, our mistakes, the circumstances that we perhaps find ourselves in, the state of the world around us, let's not be defined by those things or weighed down by those things, but by who God is, by who he says he is, and by who he says that we are, because he is able. He is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or imagine. Despite us and our failings, despite our circumstances, despite our past. So let's grab hold of that truth this morning. That God is able. That God is able. And I think that's actually really important. Just not only in the season that we're in, but just for our lives as we follow after, as we follow Jesus, as we live out our lives of faith. That's such an important thing to grab hold of to know and to live from that perspective that God is able. Lord, stir our hearts with that this morning. The next thing I believe that the Lord's wanting to highlight that we see in this account of Josiah is that the word of God is so significant. You know, a key moment in Josiah's life and in the life of the whole nation was when they found the law of the Lord. And scholars think it could have been Genesis to Deuteronomy, those five books, but many believe it could have just been Deuteronomy as well, given the changes that Josiah affected, what would have been read out because it was consistent with what was written in that particular book. But it's interesting, isn't it, that the book of the law of the Lord, his word was hidden in the temple. It was hidden in the house of the Lord. I just scratched my head at that. Have you ever lost something only to find it in the most obvious place that it could be? I can remember uh, one of my brothers-in-law, um, he lost his keys one time and he just couldn't find them. He had no idea where they were, but after work one day, he decided to go back to his car and then they, there they were in the door of the car, just where he'd locked it that morning. It's like, looked everywhere and then found it in the most obvious place. Or our, our youngest son, uh, Joel, he, uh, he, he plays so creatively. He loves playing with his little toys and animals and things. But he has this thing where he loves uh, hiding things creatively as well. He gets so into the game. He gets so into his little imaginative play that he'll go and 
put somewhere, something somewhere, hide it somewhere, and then just carry on with his game. And then he'll come later and say, Daddy, Mummy, I, I, I can't find this toy or I can't find this animal. And so you kind of turn the house upside down, looking at every possible place it could be, under the couch, in every toy box. And then all of a sudden he'll come out, hey, look what I found. And it was like, where'd you find it? And it was just in the most obvious place it could be. I'm sure we've all had stories where you've lost something only to find it in the most obvious place. And I just find it fascinating that the word of God was lost in the temple, in the house of the Lord. The word of God was hidden. But when God's word was found and read, Josiah saw that there were drastic changes that needed to be made to bring the kingdom in line with God's standards. For so many years, the people had wandered, forsaken the Lord, forgotten his ways. And it was like the word was hidden. It was there. It was there somewhere, but it was hidden away. Let's not be a people for whom the word is there. It's there somewhere but it's hidden away. Josiah had a choice to continue with the way things were, continue with what culture and history and the world around dictated what was right or what was true or the way to live, or he could make a stand and bring life as they knew it into alignment with God's truth and God's word, with what God says. And you know, in our lives, we also have a choice, don't we? To live in accordance with what the world says, with what our feelings say, with what we think or what feels good, with opinion, or in accordance with his word and with his ways. So let me ask us this morning, and I I include myself in this, I want my own heart to be stirred in these things. What changes might you need to make? to bring your life or the way that you're living into line with God's word. We live in a time, don't we, where there are so many options, so many opinions, where truth has become relative and changeable, where what's bad is called good and what's good is now called bad. And there is a call upon us as the people of God, as those following Jesus to return to the word of God to live our lives in alignment with and in accordance with his word and his ways. Now, God's word is a perfect blueprint of how to live. It's not stifling. It doesn't take the joy out of life. It's actually true freedom when we live in accordance with his word and his ways. And you know, as we read in verse 19 of 2 Chronicles 34, when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. It was a sign of repentance. It was a sign of just recognizing the gravity of the situation. And as part of the call back to his word, there is a call for repentance, I believe. And repentance isn't exactly a popular word, is it, in our day and age? But if we think about it, repentance is a gift, really, because where there's repentance, there is forgiveness of sins. There is the release of the forgiveness of sins. So Josiah tore his clothes, he repented. And as if, we, if we had time to kind of read on, and it's, there's the account in 2 Kings 22 and 23 as well, where he then begins to make all these reforms and changes 
to what had been happening to bring it in line with what should have been happening with what God had said. And I just I think it's fascinating the things that Josiah got rid of. And if we had more time, we could delve into it. But in 2 Kings 23, it's entitled Josiah's Reforms. And pretty much most of a chapter is dedicated to all the things that he tore down or broke into pieces or cleansed from the land. He deposed the false priests. He got rid of those who burned incense to Baal. He cut down the Asherah pole, which was just idolatry. He broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes who were in the house of the Lord. He got rid of the high places where there was improper worship of God. He dealt with uh, child sacrifice. And the list went on and on and on. The things that he got rid of, idolatry, child sacrifice, an improper view of and worship of God, the distortion of sex, false teaching, all these kind of things. All these had come because the people had neglected and forgotten and abandoned and turned away from the Lord and his word. I just think it's fascinating because we can read an account of, of this that happened so many centuries ago. And we think, well, actually, it doesn't sound that different to the state of the world today. All sorts of idolatry, child sacrifice, distorting sex, false teaching. The list could go on. Oh, that we would be a people who grab hold of the significance, the power and the truth of God's word and his ways and live according to them, bringing our lives into alignment with the truth of his word. Imagine what would happen as we, as we do that more and more. The final thing I, I just feel I want to highlight this morning about Josiah's life, he had the courage to act. He lived in humility and surrender, but he had the courage to act. Josiah's pursuit of God changed and impacted the way that he lived, and it impacted the world around him. And you know, it must do the same for us. He did what was in the realm of what he could do in his sphere of influence, if you like. He was moved to action. And so for us, as we, we leave from here this morning, it, it could be maybe it's, it's to pray. Maybe it's to, to make changes with our priorities. Maybe it's to um, you know, chat to that person, that neighbor, that person that the Lord's been highlighting. Just share the love of Jesus with them. Maybe it's to ask God what he's doing and jump on board with that. And you know, as we think about perhaps the state of what's happening around us in our city, our nation and beyond, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to think perhaps, what can we do? For Josiah, I'm sure that there were moments where he thought, man, this is a big task to actually turn the whole nation around. But I want us to come back to that key verse that I shared at the very start. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is it too hard to believe that revival can sweep our city and our nation? Is it too hard to believe that the multitudes can be set free? Is it too hard to believe that God can work in and through us to have an impact on our generation 
not because of anything special that we are, but because of how great he is, because of his great power at work within us. And you know, this morning, another successful swallow, that's good. If you're waiting until you feel able enough or strong enough or old enough or well enough or anointed enough or affirmed in your calling enough or confirmed enough or the writing in the sky, what am I meant to do? Let me encourage you this morning. Remember, there is no better time than now to wholeheartedly pursue the Lord. There is no better time than now to grab hold of the truth that God is able. There is no better time than now to make any necessary adjustments that perhaps we need to make to bring our lives back into accordance with His Word. And there is no better time than now to have the courage to act wherever you're at, wherever God has placed you and whatever He has placed in your hand. If you're feeling overwhelmed this morning, like, well, that's great. That's a great account from Scripture, but I don't know what could change. If you're feeling weak this morning, lacking faith, how could anything change? Well, let me encourage you with this. And this, this kind of just, I feel the Lord put on my heart. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. I've been sitting on that this week. And I read it in the Amplified Version. It just jumped out at me. Let me encourage you with this. Of course, it's a well-known passage. Paul is the thorn in the flesh, and he's crying out to God to take it away. And Jesus says to him, My grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available regardless of the situation, for my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. So I'm pleased with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions and with difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. What a marvelous picture that is. And I believe there's an invitation for us this morning to grab hold of that, to know that His grace is indeed sufficient as we seek Him, as we have courage to act, as we, I guess, have been in this time of pressing in and seeking the Lord for breakthrough, that He would move in this city and this nation, that to not be discouraged or put off by the state of what may be going on around us, to not feel so weak and... Um, you know, overwhelmed that we, we just kind of shrink back. But to grab hold of the truth of his word here, that his power is made perfect in our weakness. That when we feel weak, that he is strong. We are strong in him. Because God is able to do above and beyond what we ask or think. His power is made perfect and shows itself most effectively in our weakness, in our surrender, in our, I don't know what to do, Lord, but Lord, you've got to do something. And this encouragement this morning, you know, all God needed in the case of Josiah was one person. What he could do through one person who had set his heart to seek the Lord, who had set his heart to bring things back into alignment with God's word and who had the courage to act. What God is able to do through one person even, through a people who give their yes to him, 
is, is beyond what we have seen at this, to this point, I believe. That's what he does. There's so many examples through Scripture, aren't there, of just the one person or the small group of unqualified, unexpected people who gave their yes to the Lord, pursued him, and the Lord did great things. <clears throat> so as we pray and as we seek God to move in our generation, to see a turning of the tide, let us be a people who have our hearts set on the Lord, wholeheartedly pursuing Him, living in accordance with His Word, filled with His Spirit, and willing to respond to what He is doing and to what He's saying. Could we see in our day a revival, a turning of the tide, a turning back to the Lord, a change in our city and nation? Could we see in our day this kind of move of God that we, we read about earlier? through ordinary men and women who have their hearts set on God, who act on what he calls us to do. I believe we can. And we will because of where we started this morning. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, it's not. No, it's not. Can I get the worship team to come up just at this point? We stand together as well. finish just with a song of worship and really the invitation to respond to the Lord today is this if you're in a place today and, and you're as we've reflected on Josiah's life and the message has been proclaimed and you want to respond to the Lord you're like Lord I want to walk the path of wholehearted devotion I want to grab hold of the truth that God is able I want to grab hold of his word afresh and I want to have courage to act in what God calls me to do it's really just a response to say, Lord, I, I want to walk that path of wholehearted devotion. I don't want to, you know, wait until I've got it all together or there's no better time than now. And so that's the call today. If you want to just come and, and give you a yes, respond with that sense of, Lord, I'm living my life with wholehearted devotion. I don't want to be the same again. I'd love to just invite you forward just as the worship team sings over us. You can kneel before the Lord. You can receive prayer. We have a wonderful prayer team ready and willing to, to pray and to bless anybody who wants prayer. So there's that call this morning. And of course, if you have prayer needs for any other reason today, let me encourage you to also come forward for that. And perhaps just by way of 
distinguishing that. If, if you're wanting prayer for something specifically today, for healing, for breakthrough, for anything else, maybe just come over here to my right, your left. And then the rest of the altar here at the front is open for any of you who just want to respond and say, here I am, Lord. I want to wholeheartedly pursue you and choose that, that path of devotion. And even if it's that, Lord, would you just stir my heart and my faith afresh today. So Lord, I thank you that there is nothing that is too hard for you, Lord. Stir our hearts with that truth, God, that you are able. And Lord, I do thank you for the account we've read in Scripture today, Josiah's life and many things we could have continued to delve into about that. Lord, I thank you for what you were able to do through one man who gave his yes, pursued you with wholehearted devotion, Lord God. And I pray that you would cause us to have that same zeal for you, that same passion, that same heartfelt response to you, Lord God, to wholeheartedly seek you and pursue you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to grab hold of the truth that you are able, that, Lord, your word would just have its rightful place in our lives, Lord, that where we need to make changes or adjustments to how we're living, that you would just help us and enable us to do that, Lord, even today. And God, I pray for each one of us that we would have the courage to act, Lord. God, we do pray for our city. We do pray for our nation. We pray that you would move in power, Lord God, that there would be a turning back to you, Lord God. We know that you are able to do that, Lord. Cause faith to rise in our hearts to pray, to seek you that we would see in our day, God, what you have done before, what you did even in Josiah's time, Lord. We want to know you. We want to make you know. And God, as we go from here today, may we go in the power of your Spirit, full of hope, full of joy, full of your peace, God, that goes beyond all, our, all of our understanding. We honor you and we thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.